Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Scripture that, quite frankly, I've never ever heard anyone ever preach on. I'm sure others have. Uh, I just have never been in a place where anyone ever has. And this comes out of, well, when I read you the passage in a minute, uh, you'll begin to understand where my thoughts uh, took me and the answers, therefore, that come out of that. But can we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for every single life that's a part of this service. Some people, Lord, that may have just stumbled into this online and now something that they can't explain is holding their attention and their curiosity. And now, Lord, they're engaging and going, I want to know more. I thank you, Lord, for the ease that you're making for every single believer now to reach the world. You said go into all the world. You said that to people who'd never been more than 70 Ks from their place of birth. Yet here we are, Lord, in 2021, and while everyone's focused on all that's in upheaval, Lord, you are directing your people to mission. You're directing us, Lord, towards reaching people that you care about, that you want to save. So we thank you for tonight, and I pray, God, you'll take this message You'll apply it to every life and give us, Lord, not information, but transformation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's begin reading in Luke's Gospel 22, verse 24 says, Now there was also a dispute among them, that's the disciples, as to which of them should be considered the greatest. And he said to them, that's Jesus, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, And those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, whoever is the greatest among you, that is, he uh, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or the one who serves? Isn't it the one who sits at the table? Yet I'm among you as one who serves. Jesus is saying the kingdom doesn't operate like the world does. But as you, though, but sorry, but you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my father bestowed one upon me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. I want you to remember this because it's important to what we're going to read next. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, that's Peter, the apostle Peter. Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, that you will strengthen your brethren. I think many people that have ever read that verse would really wonder what on earth it's about. Well, I also was wondering about it a week or so ago. And and the question that came to my mind was, why Peter? Why did Jesus say, out of all the disciples that were present, why not James? James, we are told historically, became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He was the one that was regarded as the one that had that grace and that capacity? Why not John? John, the one who self-describes as the disciple whom Jesus loved. 
exiled on the Isle of Patmos for his faith and the one who has the greatest revelation. Matter of fact, that's the book it's called, Revelation, the revelation of Christ. He has that in a vision on the Isle of Patmos and sees the risen Christ in glory like no other disciple ever knew him. They'd seen the one resurrected. They saw him bodily ascend into heaven. But only John had the vision of Christ now seated at the right hand of the Father. And so it's important to read this passage and understand the context of it, that this is not Jesus saying to Peter a, a message of judgment. He's not saying, you know, we want to find your faults. We want to discover your weaknesses. And so we've arranged this. But the context of it all, as we've just read, is one of promotion for faithfulness. Jesus says to his disciples, you have stayed with me. You've been faithful. Therefore, I'm bestowing upon you a position of authority. You will become judges on thrones of the 12 tribes of Israel. There's a reward coming for you. But then he adds this bit in for Peter. Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. I grew up in farming country in the west of Queensland. And even if I'd never grown up there, I've seen plenty of videos, I guess, as you would have, or documentaries on people winnowing wheat. That is after it's been harvested. In rural areas where there's no industrialization, they literally would get it out and they would uh, beat it with usually leather thongs or, or, or <clears throat> like kind of like brooms, I guess. And they do that to separate the wheat from the chaff. And then they toss all of it into the air. I've done this myself where the chaff gets blown away in the wind if there's a slight breeze. And then the wheat, the thing of value, falls to the ground. You sift grain to remove the husks, the chaff, the waste, and what's unwanted. And so at first glance, it seems like what Satan is doing is the Lord's work. That is removing from Peter anything that's unwanted. But Satan will never do the work of God. That's not at all his, uh, his thought pattern. Rather, he's hoping that Peter will fail and never recover. And that's why I believe Jesus says in verse 32, but I have prayed for you. I've prayed for you so that you aren't destroyed. I've prayed for you that though you're going to go through a difficult spot, and Satan is going to sift you. I've prayed that you will come out the other side. And when you do, and he gives a prophetic insight, if you like. He gives a little window into what Peter's future is going to look like. He says, even though you are going to fail, when you recover, your role is going to be to strengthen the lives of others around about you. You and I know that Peter is the disciple who, who denies Jesus three times. You know, I was thinking about even that the other day and realising that at least Peter went to the courtyard of the high priest's house. None of the other disciples went. They all fled. Some of them said, I'm going fishing. What's the point? And they were cowering. But at least Peter had the bravery, the courage to want to be where Jesus was undergoing the trial before uh, the high priest. Peter went there. A small servant girl accused him of being the follower of the man of Galilee. And many of you will know the story that Peter crumbles under that. 
it actually says that he began to blaspheme and to swear. In other words, he never just said no and politely moved away, but he began to use language that, well, a follower of Jesus oughtn't to use. And he starts doing all this stuff. And I can only imagine what it must have been like for Peter to know that in the hour when Christ needed you the most, you failed him the greatest. After leaving your fishing nets, after following him, after ascending onto the Mount of Transfiguration and seeing him in his glory with Moses and Elijah, hearing the voice from heaven saying, this is my son, hear him. After all the miracles that you've done and all the things you've done for Jesus, to then have a moment of personal uh, disaster and personal failure. Can I tell you over the years, I've sat with many men and women of God. Some of them were pastors, some of them were leaders, some of them were people that had just encountered a, a speed bump or, or a, a ditch and they'd fallen into it. And I've sat with many of them and had the privilege of, of being a part of seeing God restore their life. And I know that for many of them, the greatest one, I sat with one recently and I said, let me tell you, your greatest battle will be the battle of personal shame. The fact that you have failed and failed in a way that will, I guess, point back at you despite all that you've done in your past. Can I say to you that Peter would have known what that sense of personal failure was like. And yet Jesus said, pro prophetically speaking to Peter, when you are restored, Peter, remember this, you're going to be about strengthening your brethren. But again, I ask the question, why single out Peter? Why is Peter the one that gets attacked? Why do you come under attack? If, you, if you're a believer here, maybe you don't think of yourself as some grand leader, somebody of importance, somebody that would be a, a prime target for the devil. But can I say to you that every believer is a person of influence? I would say to you that every believer matters. I would say there is no such thing as an insignificant follower of Christ. I would say to you that every single one of us has people that are watching us. It may be no more than your family circle, but I would doubt that even that were so. I would imagine that many of you, you have no idea the influence you have on people's lives. I remember the first person I ever led to Christ was somebody who, when they discovered I'd become a Christian, began to laugh and to mock. They said, I can't believe you've fallen for that and you've become a Christian. Well, you know, I didn't think I had any influence. Matter of fact, I was completely sure that all my influence was gone. I was absolutely certain they would never ask me a question. But, you know, I just kept on trying to do my best to represent Jesus. This was in the workplace. I wasn't a pastor. And I just wanted to represent Jesus. I don't remember doing anything saintly, godly or exceptional. But it was about three or four weeks later that the same young man who'd openly laughed at me and mocked me and then went around the entire staff telling them all that Jeff's got religion and laughing about that because I know that because so many of them came up and made a comment or two. And yet this young man, three or four weeks later, comes up and he asks me one day about church. He ends up a day or two later saying, 
can I come with you to church? Well, to be really honest, I was flabbergasted. This is the same guy who laughed in my face and now he's saying, can I come to church? I said, well, of course you can. Everyone's welcome. He came to church. The very first service he came to gives his life to Christ. Very first service. I thought my influence was non-existent with him, but it turned out that my mere living for Jesus had an influence on other people's lives. Come on, Christian, I want you to know, no matter who you are, you might think in your workplace, nobody wants to listen to what you've got to say. You're not the boss. You're not a supervisor. You're not anyone with power. You can't make people do anything. Your neighbourhood, your community, you think to yourself, well, who'd be listening to me? Can I say to you that you are someone of influence? Peter is singled out. And I ask myself, why? That was the thought a couple of weeks ago in my mind, why Peter? What is it about this guy? So I want to give you a little peek into Peter's future and then I want to talk about why Satan wants to sift people. So let me come with a little journey, just quick. Luke 24, that was Luke 22 we read. Luke 24 is after the crucifixion and the resurrection. Watch this, Luke 24 verse 10. And Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the other women with them, they told these things to the apostles and there was the words of these women seemed to, there's one just in there. Let me just, can I just be a little bit controversial? Because occasionally someone will say to me, I don't believe in women ministry. And I go, well, they were the first people to carry the news of the resurrection of Jesus. Just thought I'd chuck that in. Not that I like provoking people. Uh, that's not my heart. But I think you've got to, anyway, I won't go into that. I'll save that message for another time when I'm really feeling bulletproof. And their words seemed to them like idle tales and they did not believe them. But guess who out of all the other disciples, guess out of the 11, because Judas has gone off and taken his own life. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb. You start to see something about the heart of this guy that even though at first it seems too good to be true, who's the one who leaves the pack? Who's the one who says, you know what? Let's go check it out. Maybe it could be true. It's Peter. Go past the book of Luke and go to the next place we read about Peter. It's in Acts chapter 1 and verse 15. This is before the day of Pentecost. The disciples, there's 120 people gathered in the upper room and they're all just praying, but there's no leadership. Listen to me. There's no leadership in that space until verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120. And he spoke. And then he helps in the process of selecting Judas's replacement. Are you starting to see the whisper of a pattern? Peter leaves the pack and goes to the tomb. Peter stands up now in a bigger crowd, 10 times the size. You watch this, it's 120. Well, the next one we read about is Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. And, in, and says, but Peter standing up with 11, tongues of fire have come on them as they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter standing up with the 11, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Who stands up on the day of Pentecost and preaches now to a crowd that's 20 times the size? 
3,000 people, 25 times, 3,000 people give their life to Christ that day. Peter runs to the tomb. Peter stands up with the 120. Peter rises up and speaks. And 3,000 people come to Christ. You go, was there any more? Well, actually, I'm glad you asked. Let's go to Acts chapter 10, verse 44. The church up until this point, right through from Acts 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 and 9, has all been Jewish. There's been no non-Jews in the church. Everyone's Jewish. They're all born Jews, raised Jews, they're Jewish. In Acts chapter 10, Peter is praying one day. Why Peter? Well, there's a reason for all of this, isn't there? Peter is praying and the Lord says, someone's coming to ask you to go to their house. And I want you to go without any doubt at all. Well, they come down and it's a Gentile. A Jew would not even walk through the doorway of a Gentile's home. But Peter's been warned by God, go without them, doubting nothing. He steps in there. Peter begins to speak as we just read. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit falls on the whole household of these Gentiles. And Peter goes, I knew it was the Holy Spirit because I heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And the door gets opened to the Gentiles. That opens up the entire ministry of the Apostle Paul. There would have been no ministry of Paul if someone had not opened up the door to the Gentiles to come in. Most of you that are a part of this service represent the Acts 10 group of people. People that are Gentile, you're not born Jewish. I wonder what would have happened if the attack on Peter had succeeded. I wonder if when Satan tried to sift him, the enemy of your soul, if he'd succeeded at preventing Peter from rising up again, I wonder whether there would have been a Luke 24. I wonder whether there would have been an Acts 1. I wonder whether there would have been an Acts 2. I wonder if there ever would have been an Acts 10. I'm sure God would have found someone else, but it wouldn't have been Peter. I want you to understand something tonight about your life. Listen to me. An attack on your person is an attack on your purpose. I'll say it again. An attack on your person is an attack on your purpose. Satan is not just trying to get rid of you. It's not about you, the individual. It's about the purpose that God has for your life. What Satan was aiming at in sifting Peter and trying to break him down and to destroy him. What he was aiming at was not the humanity, the, the person called Peter. He was aiming at all the things that Peter is going to do. If he can just stop, listen to me, because some of you here, you are at the beginning of your life in ministry. And quite frankly, I think that's all of us. Because none of, it, none of us are dead yet. And if you ain't dead yet, you ain't finished. And if you ain't finished, then you are still at the beginning. And I just wonder how many of us are unaware that some of the things that come against our life, they're not an attack on you. That sickness, that problem in your business, that relationship breakdown that you think is just about you and the devil's out to get you and you don't realise it's actually an attack on your purpose. It's actually about something far greater than you. It's about something in your future. When Satan desired to sift Peter, 
It wasn't about where he was at right then. It was about all the stuff that lay down the road for him in his life. No wonder Peter is the one who writes in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. He says this, Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He wrote that because he had personal experience of the roaring lion roaring in his ear. He had personal experience of the devil wanting to devour. Now, I want you to notice this verse because I meet people that are afraid of the devil and they just kind of think, well, you know, they live wondering what he's going to turn up with next. But the Bible doesn't say he can devour. It's whom he may devour. In other words, he can't devour anyone anytime he wants. He can't just wipe you out. So don't let the devil steal your destiny. Don't let the enemy disqualify you. Don't let him separate you from what God has for your life. Your mistakes and your failures don't disqualify you. Everything I've just read, comes after Peter has denied Christ before a servant girl, probably around about 12 or 13 years of age. She wasn't a person of power. She was simply an onlooker. And at that moment of pressure, Peter crumbles and gives up and it would be easy to write him off. It would be easy to say, well, now you're disqualified. You can never rise up again. You're finished. You're done with. And yet that sifting, Jesus said, remind you of it, but Peter, I have prayed for you that you won't fail. And when you are strengthened, go and strengthen your brethren. If your mistakes and failures don't disqualify you, don't disqualify yourself. Why would you want to agree with that? Well, oh, you know, that's it. That's the end of my life or that's the end of my ministry or that's the end of my what? I don't know what you might think. That's the end? Really? This problem, this issue that I'm facing, oh, it's the end of it. I won't be able to. Oh, I, I'll never recover. Really? Don't let the devil steal your destiny. Here's the second thing you need to know because an attack on your person is an attack on your purpose. Here's the other thing I want you to know and I'll finish in a minute if the team would like to come. An attack on your person is an attack against the people you're destined to reach. What is the enemy aimed at? He's not just aimed at you and he's not just aimed at some kingdom purpose. It's because every kingdom purpose has people attached to it. Somewhere or other, listen to everything we do. You know, I look down there and I see Chris and Di Britton and who serve so amazingly faithfully in First Steps, isn't it? No, we don't call it that anymore. Uh, but you know, we do call it that, yes. And they serve so faithfully there and Chris and I, I wonder what those little kids that you minister to and show them the love of Jesus, I wonder how many of them will grow up and remember, all of them, thank you. They'll grow up and you'll be able to look back and say, I was a part of that. Because see, every attack on you is an attack on the people you're meant to reach. Isn't that right? And none of us know who those people are right now. I have no idea what my how big my life might go or how many people we may be able to reach. I just know this much. I'm not going to let the devil win. Amen. 
I'm not going to let him take me out of the race by handing in my commission. An attack on your person is an attack against the people you're destined to reach. Well, I read you 1 Peter chapter 5. Please come, team. I read you 1 Peter 5 verse 8 where Peter says to everyone, here's what happened to me. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And then he goes on in verse 9. Thank God for verse 9. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brothers in the world. He says, you know what? He might come against you, but if you resist him steadfast in the faith, you're going to come through into victory in Jesus' name. Amen. I dare to declare tonight the devil will not win against the church. Oh, no matter what governments do or don't do, no matter what media does or doesn't do, no matter what people say or don't say, no matter how many people struggle or even fail and don't rise up again, can I tell you the church of Jesus Christ is being built by Jesus. And he said the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. Amen. I want to pray for people tonight. Just if you're in the building, you just bow your head with me a minute. If you say, you know what? Tonight I realise that I've been under attack. That this thing, I thought it was just me and, you know, these things were just happening. And But now I, I'm wondering if it's not this attack on my person is an attack on my purpose. If it's not an attack on the people that I'm destined to reach. And God, I don't want to let the enemy win in this. I want to be strong, strong in faith strong in character, strong in worship, strong in love for God. If that's you and you're in the building tonight, I want to pray for you wherever you are, just so I know I'm praying for you. If that's you, you say, Jeff, I've been under attack now. I realize what it's about. I'm going to resist the devil. I'll put 1 Peter 5, 9 into practice. If that's you, just lift your hand so I know I'm praying for you. Would you do that? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Yep. See that? Yep. Thank you. I see that. Just wherever you are, thank you. I see that. Just wherever you are, if you're up here and you're in, thank you, yeah, I, I get that. Because team's not exempt. It's not like we're on the platform going, well, we've got it, thank you. We've got it all together. Thank you back there, I see you, yeah, absolutely. Just whoever you are, I want you just to receive now. Sometimes I think we just need to understand the enemy's here. He's working against us, but God's going to give us the victory. Father, we pray tonight in Jesus' name. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're in us in power. We don't always feel it. We can't always look around and see lots of evidence, but Lord, you're in us in power. So God, I believe for every one of those people who raise their hands, that you will strengthen them tonight with might by your Spirit in the inner man, that Christ might dwell in their hearts by faith, that them being rooted and grounded in love will be able to comprehend with all the saints the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of the love of God which passes all understanding. Will you help us, God? Holy Spirit, will you help us? I pray right now, God, you can do this supernaturally like put steel in us that says, I refuse to quit. I refuse to lay down. I refuse to just let the enemy win. If the devil's coming against me, then that can only mean that there's great purpose for my life. There's people that I'm meant to reach and so I'm going to start looking for them in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord. 
in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much. Come, Ruby. You know, years and years ago, I, I was only just new on staff and I was really only a new Christian. Uh, I think they were just desperate for somebody to work for almost no wages. And uh, I quit my job and said, I'm it. And I did that. And I can still tell you, I, this is so vivid in my memory. It's a long time ago. But a whole lot of things had happened. I'd gone on staff and then, you know, family things had gone a bit awry. I wasn't married then. And some things in my family had gone a bit topsy-turvy. And all the money I had in the bank saved up as like a safety net all disappeared in one accident one day. And I remember feeling this sense of pressure. And I'd love to tell you it was because the Lord just revealed something amazing to me. But it wasn't that. It just... I was driving down uh, the road beside the Brisbane Hospital. I remember that clearly. I'm driving down there, I'm driving my car, and out loud, out of my mouth, came these words. Devil, you're going to regret the day you touched me because I'm going to go twice as hard now that you've shown your hand. And I'll never forgot that. And I remember I came away from that encounter not going, oh, this is terrible. Oh, my life is a mess. I came away going, my life must be great. There must be something good coming up. And that's why he's coming against me. And steel came into my, I still remember, I was the only one in the car. But I said it out loud. Devil, you're going to regret the day you touch me. I'll go twice as hard. I recommend that kind of spirit to you in Jesus' name. Are you lonely? Then decide this is going to be the week you're going to bless more people than you've ever blessed. Are you struggling financially? Find a way to be a giver this week. Make the devil pay for every pressure that he brings against your life in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, we're going to sing. Can we just, I don't know what we're going to sing, but I want to, we'll sing Never Lost a Man. I want to sing that sing from the bridge gyro, gyro thing. Yeah. yeah. Can we sing that for a minute? Then I just want to talk to people about giving your life to Jesus because I know that there'll be people who are saying, would someone just tell me, how do I, how do I come to Christ? How do I become a Christian? So many opinions. I'm amazed how many spiritual confusions there are in our world of all kinds. And I, I, that's why I love Yes Text, because it's so simple. I think even in the church, we've, we kind of make discipleship this unending pathway. And until you get to the end, you're not saved. And I go, no, you're saved when you first say yes. As simple as that. Amen. Come on, let's sing this. Stay seated with me a minute if you want. Just worship the Lord a minute.